Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This 10th year of Daily Tech News Show is made possible by you, the listener. Thanks to all of you, including Kevin, Paul Thiessen, and Ali Sanjabi. Coming up on DTNS, video games are in the cloud, but should you play them there? Let's find out. Welcome to our special DTNS video game roundtable show. In Los Angeles, I'm Tom Merritt. In Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. And we have guests today. Pretty excited about this. We're going to be talking about video game streaming services with the following wonderful human beings. Please welcome to the show, Trisha Hirschberger, TV host and streamer. Hello, Trisha. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's so wonderful to be here. Thank you guys for having me. We're going to chat all the things. Yeah, we're going to get uh, we're going to get into it. Uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty hardcore here. And thankfully, we also have with us Max Scoville, senior writer and host at IGN. Welcome back, Max. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you as well. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dive right into this because um, one of the big seismic changes in video games in the last few years is arguably the shift toward subscription services. Um, in a lot of ways, you're seeing video game companies and publishers move the direction that video did or music did uh, before, and it's now time for video games to shine in a bunch of different ways. Sometimes it's just, hey, I want to subscribe to all your video games, and sometimes it's, why don't you stream something to me? Uh, and some people are doing it through TVs, other people are doing it through consoles, and some people are doing it on their phones. So it's all a little bit weird. And uh, we're going to try to break down what these different services are, how they work together, some of our opinions on each, and what you might be paying if you decide to sign up for one of them. The big one out there is obviously Microsoft Xbox Game Pass, which uh, features basically three flavors. There is the PC Game Pass, there's Xbox Game Pass, and then there's Game Pass Ultimate. If you buy PC alone or Xbox alone, you're going to pay 9 bucks or 10 $9.99. And if you want the whole thing, the whole shebang, and have those two ecosystems crossing over with each other and sharing saves, you can pay 15 and you also gain at least their current beta version of xCloud, their game streaming service. Uh, Sony has their PlayStation Plus tiers, which uh, we'll get into a little bit more detail a little bit later. We'll talk about how that maybe stacks up to what Microsoft is doing as well. And Nintendo Switch Online, which just got a bump in content the other day. Uh, so that's sort of interesting. There's also others like EA Play. They have a $5 a month program. You can pay a little more to get more uh, services out of that. Coincidentally, also included in Game Pass, a little bit of a perk for the Ultimate users. 
And then there's some side stuff like Ubisoft Plus, and we might even talk about GeForce Now and a few others uh, that focus entirely on just a streaming model. Um, but we do live in the time of this is happening, this is going, and whether or not it will be successful in the long term, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, first off, let's just throw it out there. Uh, Trisha, do you think these services compare well to each other as currently uh, constituted? Like, do you, how do you think the the Xbox uh, offering with Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate stacks up to with uh, with Sony's answer with their their you know their three plus tiers? Uh, the short answer is I think Game Pass Ultimate has been doing it a little longer, um, and therefore they do have the edge. But ultimately, when you're comparing Game Pass Ultimate to Stay play, say PlayStation Plus Premium, and I'd love to get Max's take on this. I feel like they're inherently different services. So Microsoft is coming at it with the angle of, you know, almost Game Pass is, that's, that is what you're buying into, and the hardware itself is seen as secondary, right? So you're getting the service, that's what you're buying into, hardware secondary. Whereas PlayStation Plus uh, and PlayStation Plus Premium is still very much an add-on, where you're someone who already has a PS4 or PS5, and you're getting this as an add-on to add to your game library, get your extra perks, get your discount, etc. Um, and so the two of them just inherently are different models. I think that Microsoft does a much better job of letting you play on multiple different devices. I know PlayStation has an app that lets you do some streaming to a PC, but in my experience, it's been a bit of a mixed bag, um, not quite as reliable. Uh, whereas, you know, Microsoft, this is what this is the strategy they've been going with now for years. And so they're they kind of are king of that castle, if you will. But again, I'd love Max's take on this. I would too. Like it's, the way Microsoft works, they've got a lot of back backbone in this game. They've got a lot of back end, I should say. And <laughs> in some ways, that gives them an advantage. But Max, do you think Sony, with their offerings, at least currently, are at least giving a little bit of competition in the space? Are they not quite there yet? I, it's weird because you know, Trisha, to your point, I, I think Sony's sort of been doing this longer, but in a different shape. Like PlayStation Plus started out as a kind of make good for the fact that originally it was free to play multiplayer online on PlayStation on PSN, whereas Xbox you had to play for Xbox Gold. And then when Sony started charging for that, they decided to kind of throw in a few extra games a month. And early on, PlayStation Plus was um, was phenomenal. You'd get you know that you'd get new games that had just come out that were just you'd get them for free with part of your you know part of your monthly fee for you know for playing online with your friends uh and then that sort of got copied by microsoft with games with gold which they're sort of slowly phasing out that lives in kind of a weird a weird spot right now but i think as far as um game pass being the thing that microsoft's really putting their weight behind at the end of the day i don't think they care where you're playing i mean they're demonstrating by that by the fact that you can you can do xcloud on on an iphone like they're they're not and, you know, Microsoft is, uh, they make software, they make operating systems, they make uh, the, the the thing you're using to engage with the hardware, it's the, the direct interface rather than the actual hardware itself, whereas Sony is a consumer electronics company, they want to they sell PlayStations, they want to sell DualShock controllers, and, um, you know, it's, it's a different approach for both of those. The thing that, that bugs me about what happened to PlayStation Plus is they recently introduced the tiers system, which I think is just, it hasn't been messaged well. I think it's just, there's a sort of... You know, there's the there's the classic sort of like in and out menu, and then there's the 17 page like New Jersey diner menu, yeah. and it's like in and out. You're like, I'll have that one, and the other one you're like flipping through trying to choose your options. And in the case of PlayStation Plus, there's a fair amount of fine print to read, uh, and to sort of figure out what you're what you're getting. And the uh, the premium tier is awesome. It's got a lot of really cool stuff in there. Um, but as far as sort of you know having to sit down and be like just pull the trigger on on picking one, I think Game Pass Ultimate is a is a much sort of 
it's easier to bite the bullet on that one. And it's also it's interesting that Microsoft is often criticized for their naming conventions. You know, they went from Xbox to Xbox 360, back to Xbox One, then Xbox One X, and then Series X and Series X. Like it's a mess. And I don't know why they do it the way they do it. It drives me absolutely crazy. Whereas Sony's like, hey, what if we just called these one, two, three, four, and five? And it makes perfect sense to me. Yet on this services end, Microsoft has a very simple offering. If you're PC only, here are those games. If you're Xbox only, here are those games. And if you're both, here's this opportunity. And those all make really easy sense when you see those offered. In the Sony case, and this is a relatively recent change over there at Sony, went from being plus to these three-tiered plus systems, uh, premium back down, they're confusing. You don't really know what to do. And I know a lot of people that are just like, well, which one's around 15 bucks? I'll do that. And it's the middle tier. Okay, great. That'll get me most of what I want. And they don't really understand that upper tier. Um, and, I, and I like what you said, by the way, about Microsoft sort of saying, well, we don't care where you play our games. We just want you to play them. So they sell them on Steam. They have approached Sony and Nintendo about putting some form of Game Pass on their devices. And those people, of course, said no. But, but uh, it does seem like a different movement to say, well, we want services and games to be what you want from us. We don't care so much about the hardware. Uh, I'll take either of you on this. Do you guys think that's the right strategy? Like in the long term, who who wins out in this in this uh, different approach? I I mean I have thoughts on this, uh, and I'm probably going to sound like a fangirl, and I'm not meaning to because I absolutely am console agnostic uh, or platform agnostic when it comes to where I game. But I I do think Game Pass Ultimate has been rocking that strategy for a while, and I think it's paying off hardcore for them. Um, I think it's been real a really successful move that they went to a couple years ago. And I mean, I have to say, uh, you know, dropping day one launches on Game Pass Ultimate has been huge. Bringing in Bethesda, offering EA Play with it. Like it's, they're really appealing to a wide variety of gamers. And I think they've brought a lot of people into the Game Pass Ultimate ecosystem. So given more time, maybe PlayStation Plus Premium would, you know, eke that out. But I like Microsoft strategy. I think it's I think being hardware agnostic for people is a smart move, especially given, you know, that not everyone has access to super high end hardware. So giving them still the ability to play those AAA titles, some of those more demanding titles, I think is a good move. I mm-hmm. do, too. Yeah. Max, do you, do you have a take on that? How do you think that'll suss out in the long run? I mean, there's a few things that we haven't hit on. One is that as the long list of, of recently added first party Microsoft studios, like there's the whole ongoing sort of Activision acquisition. But on top of that, they've got, you know, Bethesda. They've got, um, you know, just they've been they've been like investing in studios, which means that they can just say, hey, here's our here's our brand new game. It's it's their day and date for your subscription fee. Whereas Sony's uh, first party offering has always been phenomenal. But I feel like they're a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I don't know. They're really hesitant to give that stuff away because they still want to. They still want to sell games, sell some copies. They very recently one of the, one of the sort of very nice guy Sony things that happened in recent memory was if you bought a PlayStation Five and you were a PlayStation Plus subscriber, out of the box you had access to like the greatest hits of PS4 games. Mm-hmm. It was like you know The Last of Us, it was God of War, it was all this stuff that maybe you, maybe you missed if you didn't have a PS4 at all. Like that is a that is a hell of a bonus to sign on for. Uh, and then just recently they were kind of like, well, we've sold 30 million PlayStation 5s. Maybe we don't need to do that so much. And so they kind of yanked that away. Uh, meanwhile, you know, some of the biggest games um, coming out this year are going to be, you know, day and date on, on Game Pass because Microsoft owns the studios that are making them. Yeah, if there's a dividing line there for me, it's this. It's that they've got these, they're stacking third-party developers into their own teams. They're getting their own, you know, their own 
kind of mega powerhouse development uh, behind everything they make. That's a big strategy that goes long time. That's a 20-year strategy or more. Um, but not only that, they are the company that says when our big game like Starfield comes out, a very highly anticipated game, that comes out day and date on Game Pass. You can also go buy it on Steam. You can play it in these other places. Buy it on our own store if you don't want to do Game Pass. But however you want to do it, day and day Game Pass, and it will always be on Game Pass. That is a perpetual piece of content that will never leave. Whereas Sony's not offering that with any of their tiers. If they have a brand new game come out, let's say Last of Us 3, that comes out as a $70 product or more, depending on your uh, where you live. And there is no... PlayStation Plus gets it day one. They'll get it later when it kind of hits classic status. I think that's a big dividing line for them at the moment. Well, part of, yeah. part of the reason they can do that is because Microsoft is run by Satya Nadella, who sees it as a cloud company that makes most of their money off Microsoft Azure. And so they don't have to charge for every copy of Windows. And while they can't quite do exactly the same thing with gaming, they have more flexibility to say, you know what, we we don't have to make every cent we can off of each one of these because this is all running in Azure and people who provide the games that are going to be on these services also probably have a good chance of running on Azure. And you know what else is running on Azure? Sony services that we've contracted in. So yeah. it, it doesn't replace the need to make money off the gaming, but it definitely gives them a little more room to maneuver. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's ask this question. Uh, the high price of new games. We're in a new era. Everyone's sort of, uh, you know, embracing it now. Nintendo just announced that Tears of the Kingdom is going to be seventy bucks. Uh, we're going to have to get used to this new reality, I think, for AAA games and their new price. Do you think high prices in games, even though you know they've been a little bit resistant to inflation over the over the decades, um, do you think that will help the growth of subscription services across the board, no matter who's providing it? Uh, let's. Let, I'll, I'll throw this one over to Trisha. Do you think that's a that, that makes sense that I don't want to go spend 70. I'd rather spend a little bit per month and just sort of experiment. I definitely do. I mean, like I was saying earlier, when it comes to people that might not have the funds to get the super high-end hardware, the same thing goes with these $70 AAA titles, right? And when you think about it as, you know, if I have Xbox for PC, let's say, um, and that's $10 a month, that seven months of Xbox, of Game Pass for PC that I could be getting uh, instead of that AAA title, uh, you know, and still play that AAA title on day one. And maybe if I finish it before seven months, try some other stuff for the same price. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it makes it more accessible for a wider variety of people. And again, you know, Microsoft kind of bringing those people into the fold. And we haven't mentioned this about PlayStation Plus Premium, but to their credit, and I wish, I wish Game Pass would steal this. Uh, they do the limited time trials for new games as well. So for someone who might be hesitant to buy a $70 title, if there is a time trial that they can test it out before they drop that 70 bones, that's great too. Um, so I do think it's doing a lot for these subscription library services to be able to offer that for a more accessible price point. Yep. Yeah, Demos are back is the way I look at it. It's back <laughs> in one form or another. We are happy to have demos back in our life. That's one thing that bugs me about PlayStation Plus Premium is I feel like the demos it's like you're paying extra and it's it's obviously it's a it's an added value but at the same time it's still it's still marketing like I kind of wish that that was just you know if it's the demos used to come it was like a free thing it was a CD that came with your with your magazine or whatever but again magazines were subscription models so maybe it's just the same logic as that um, to Trisha's point about the you know about uh, spending seventy bucks for a year and getting to play a bunch of games on Xbox PC conversely if you are horrified at the thought of paying 70 bucks for a new video game. 
but you're a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber and you only play Starfield for three months, you just paid <laughs> 75 bucks for it. So it's kind of like, yes. what's the moral of the story there? Yeah, you're the totally one, the, right. The one really important thing, everyone, uh, I don't, I feel like it hasn't come up enough in these discussions, but the one thing I do like about Game Pass and to some degree what Sony's offering and others is that there is a bunch of, let's call it middleware for lack of a better term, but let's call it B tier, triple B titles, for example, that are maybe 40 or $50 that used to have their own little place on shelves, but in this digital space, it's not as easy to get those games in front of people. And you may look at it and go, I don't even know what this is, not an IP I recognize, not a developer I recognize, so I'm just gonna pass, I'm gonna spend 50 bucks. But under these systems, I can experiment and go, ooh, I found an indie I had no idea was so good, and I might actually pay for that long-term somewhere else, and I'll, like, I'll rebuy it on Steam to play it on my deck or something. This happens to me constantly because Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, and so on, are saying, here's some stuff that you probably aren't going to buy, so try it out, and then you find these little wonderful games, these little sleeper hits you never knew existed. Absolutely, Scott. Some of the stuff that's come out of ID at Xbox is just chef's kiss, and I think outside of kind of the gaming industry, uh, you know, professionals and outside of the journalistic space, you may not have had a chance to look at them, so... Yep. Right on. Totally I mean, agree with you, Scott. The best sort of like, I don't know, public secret is the X or Microsoft Rewards, which gamifies trying out new games. And like, I have a friend who not only has been paying for his Game Pass subscription through just playing Game Pass, he managed to rack up enough points that he bought a he bought a Series S wow. and a spare controller. <laughs> and it's just like it's if you play enough games and you get enough achievements, it feeds it feeds back into your you know your points yep. or whatever. And it's huh. it's wild that you can. You can kind of have this sort of perpetual motion of of Game Pass, and like Sony has a a reward system, but it's all kind of like cosmetics. It's like you know you can get little collectible bonus trophy type mm -hmm. things. I don't think any of that can actually be paid towards you know re renewing your subscription, which you know again point for Microsoft there. Well, we want to hear where everybody in the audience falls on this sort of thing. Uh, subscription versus individual titles. We know you have opinions, uh, so send us your emails, folks. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze. 
taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. All right, let's talk about game streaming. We mentioned uh, xCloud, of course, which works really well um, across most of the platforms it's available on. And they are still in beta, but I feel like they're getting close to calling that thing 1.0. But they offer users gaming without expensive hardware. You don't have to have a big fancy PC or a brand new $500 console to play it. Um, You don't need anything specific other than a subscription. So the way it works with Microsoft's uh, Ultimate is to let Android or iOS users play games written for Xbox One X and S or PC or whatever on their tablets, phones and smart TVs or junky old notebooks, by the way, is a great way to uh, extend the life of your of your crappy slow notebook. But the question is, can game streaming be a serious option for gamers, at least maybe Maybe the question is that time here yet, or we have a way to go. Uh, I know I will sometimes use xCloud to to preview a game, play 15 minutes, make a save, and decide whether I want to keep playing. And if I do, I'll download it because I want that like on the hard drive, peace of mind, the internet's not going to go out kind of thing. There's still a little bit of that in my head, but... I wonder if you guys, uh, you know, if you if you think Max that this this is this is just me being old, and uh, the kids no, are going to be used the same exact way. But I, yeah. I might be old too, so I don't I don't know. <laughs> uh, I was I was completely completely doubtful of of cloud gaming. Like I remember what was the one that uh, was it Gaikai? on live was it on yeah. live on live Gaikai. one of those th- no, those yeah. two that was that was ten years ago and like trying it back then on maybe even DSL, I was like, this is, this almost kind of works. Okay, whatever. And then fast forward 10 years and I was like, kind of thought that that's how it would be. And, um, you know, rest in peace stadia. But the first time I tried that, I was like, Oh, like this is, if you're on a, if you're hardwired on a fast enough connection, it's the, the lag is, or the, the difference between playing locally is, is pretty negligible. And it's that same kind of magic moment of like the first time you watch Netflix on a browser, as opposed to, getting a paper envelope with a piece of physical media in the mail you had to send back. Like it was, it was pretty cool. And I think that it's definitely going to be a thing in, if, if it isn't already a thing, it's going to, it's, it's, that's where it's going. But I think the, the infrastructure hasn't caught up and a lot of people don't have a stable enough interconnection, internet connection to really, um, you know, make it a sustainable option. But yeah, like jumping in it into XCloud and just sort of like, you know, taking a Game Pass game for a spin or like, again, if you want to be like a, just a real little sneak and just get those rewards very easily as opposed to having to download the games, you can just, you know, pop them in the, you know, the cloud and then, you know, k- kill three sheep or whatever it is they're asking you to do that day and then you get the extra points there. Uh, but it's 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 fascinating. It's also, um, I, I think it's the easiest way to play Fortnite on a Mac Yeah. since <laughs> they're having that whole like weird war over there. Mm-hmm. I actually, I wound up playing, um, I played Fortnite on... My laptop on German hotel internet, and it was it was uh, preferable to playing it locally on Switch. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was oh, neck man. and neck. It was a little bit little bit choppy, but it was actually more manageable to play it on like a large you know screen. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's. I think it's cool. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's really cool. Um, still not my first choice on how to play a game, but I'm I'm happy to exist there. Weird thing. The, the PlayStation 3 is so not backwards compatible, or uh, so hard to backwards compatible emulate, whatever you call it, yeah. that yeah. you have to you have to stream PS3 games. That's the only way you can play PS3 games on a PS5. Um, 
which is yeah it's it's weird um well not weird i I know that that stuff was inherently kind of complicated but um it is a little funky to think that they've got this service where you can do all these games and download them but hey you want to play these ps3 classic titles or these psp titles uh they don't have any vita on there i don't think yet but uh you've got to stream them sorry it's the only way to do it and you just don't realize that you're streaming it on microsoft azure servers while you're doing it which is pretty funny uh trisha do you picture yourself ever feeling 100% cool with uh, just putting your hands in streaming and or putting your whole life in streaming and saying, okay, give me the games. I believe that you will not have any problems or glitches for the full <laughs> four-hour stream I'm about to do. I mean, it would be hard for me to exist without collector's editions of stuff sitting in my house on display. <laughs> um, but if we did move hypothetically to an all-digital future, I love the idea of cloud gaming. I love it. I feel like you're getting a great gaming experience, ideally, in more people's hands and more gaming for everyone makes my heart very happy. However, it's so connection dependent. Um, I've had demos of various cloud gaming services over the years that have just blown my mind and been amazing. And like Max said, is negligible to playing uh, locally on your hardware. And then I've had some real stinker cloud gaming experiences. Mm -hmm. So it, it really is so connection dependent and especially with timing dependent titles, right? So there's certain titles if there's, if there's a little bit of input lag, not a huge deal, you can still play it, get a great experience. If it's something like, I don't know, if I'm playing Spiritfarer on my PC and then I've got to go somewhere else and want to pick up where I left off on my phone, but then be able to come back to my PC, totally fine. Great experience. Yeah. Thank you, Microsoft. Um, but I can't imagine trying to play like, God forbid, a, like Hi-Fi Rush or something that's rhythm dependent, right? Oh, yeah. um, and yeah. needing to have that very specific timing over cloud gaming. I don't think we're there yet. I love the concept of it. I hope for a future in the next, I don't know, 20 years, maybe, I don't know where cloud gaming can be at the same place where it's that premium of an experience like we have now on local hardware. But uh, Scott, you mentioned it earlier, being able to test out a demo through cloud gaming uh, and then locally download it for your more premium experience when you decide you've wanted to make that investment. That's that's the sweet spot right now. I agree that that to me is is the 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 middle bit. We're in the middle place, right? Yeah. We can't go full that way quite yet. Uh, the full Stadia method is not here yet or Stadia would be doing gangbusters. They would have succeeded wildly, in my opinion. Uh, and we can't go back to what we were doing before. This is definitely a thing. So I think both Sony and Microsoft have done a pretty good job of straddling the middle and saying, here's multiple ways to do this. And we're going to let you cloud save through all of it. So you're not going to lose any uh, any hours that you spent here if you wanted to play it over there. So that's all in place. So that's a good step. And the other good step is saying, well, let's make it so that, that this content is uh, available in any of the ways you might want to play it. And we still got hard drives in our hardware. And your PC still has hard drives. Like, we, we know that you still kind of want to do this. I think that's really smart for them not to try to jam it down our throats which they kind of tried to do with the Xbox One announcement um, because they were already leaning this way. We're just all now embracing finally some of those ideas and they were pretty bad at presenting them, if, if, you know, if we're going to be honest. But um, it's interesting now. Do you, do you see parallels? Trisha, if I, if I was to ask you if you see any parallels between, I don't know, the Netflix model and where we're at now. Is this Netflix 2007, 2008, but in gaming and we have that much growth to go through? I mean, or, or do you think it's not a fair comparison because we're just talking about static video versus, you know, these interactive mediums? 
Well, it, yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say is the big difference between something like a Netflix experience is that we have to be able to give active input and the timing of that active input is important. So from a, you know, back end tech standpoint, it's obviously very different. And therefore, from the consumer experience standpoint, it's still very different. So hopefully we'll get there. I, I personally am a big Netflix fan for consuming content. Uh, so I hope that I hope that gaming gets to that point. But I, Amazon Luna is doing it right now where you can buy the Luna controller with the hopes that that will reduce about half of your input latency mm-hmm. um, because it's communicating directly with the service instead of having to go to your device to the service back to your device and you know through. Um, so I think I think that it's something everyone's aware of that's in the cloud gaming scene. Um, and we'll we'll just have to see when the tech catches up with the experience that they're selling. They're marketing a premium experience, and I don't know that that's what people are getting at. Right. Whereas Netflix is delivering a premium experience. Right. And and Max, we you there's a there's a a future in gaming that we maybe not quite be able to see. I don't know if you remember what it felt like when everyone said that we would all be getting digital and forget about physical copies of stuff, with very few exceptions of you know collectors editions or something. We're there, and I'm all in. But I remember being very resistant to this concept of I'm not going to have a disc. I'm not going to have a thing to put on my shelf. Now I could care less. I love how dejunct it makes my life. Uh, I try to remember that when I think about these other weird ideas that we might only be streaming games one day, which seems a little insane to me today. But maybe we're maybe this model happens again, and we're and we're there. Yeah, I mean, the the fear of, I think, f- physical media enthusiasts is that one day your digital copy will just stop working, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's a valid concern. Uh, it's an even more valid concern if you're playing through a subscription because they pull stuff off of the library or they change what's available, which is a, that's a huge pain to just sort of be like, oh, I'm going to play this thing. And then it's like, I've had that happen with Game Pass where I install a ton of stuff and I'm like, I just, you know, it's it's just adding to the backlog or what have you. And then I try to load it up and it's like, you have to buy this because it's not on Game Pass anymore. Sure. Tough, mm-hmm. tough luck, buddy. Too bad. Yeah, it's too bad because the third party stuff is mostly affected by that, obviously, because the first party stuff should stay in perpetuity. But um, I think maybe that's also why Microsoft's buying all these studios and really ramping up their development because they want to be able to say these are not only day and day Game Pass games, but they're also not going anywhere. And they're also from companies like Obsidian Entertainment, who makes no garbage. They make nothing but wonderful <laughs> games. And now we own them. So you'll always have them. But it still happens. It'll be like. Spirit Fair is a good example that's still on there and has been on there forever. And I love that game, but I'm terrified they're going to pull it because it's not their game. It's somebody else's. So there are these caveats, right? And who knows where those go or where those take it. I think a great great thing to remember when you talk about parallels is that uh, the music streaming was considered to be something that people couldn't do. Uh, I don't know if you remember eMusic, but they had a situation where you could subscribe and download a certain number of tracks and they were DRM free that was the that was the big uh, feature and then Spotify came around in 2006 and people were like yeah but who has bandwidth to do that you know how are you going to listen when you're walking around it's not like you know 2G gives you enough speed to stream music that of course seems silly now right uh, it, it's all good and you can still download some tracks locally on Spotify and Apple Music and all the rest but you don't really think about it that often. At the time that Netflix launched streaming, everyone said, well, video is way different than music. You have to have sync between the sound and the video. That that kind of lag just is going to kill it. There's no way people can do video. Bandwidth improved, and now people stream Netflix as, like Trisha said, a premium experience. So there are different things to happen for game streaming to get that to that same point. 
You have to reduce the latency to almost zero. You have to get rid of things like jitter and judder. Uh, but those are the kind of promises that 5G and 6G make. I wonder if it's the mobile internet that becomes the place that has like the really optimized low latency services that power this, whether that's it or not, whether it's 5G or 6G or, or something else, I do think the latency, there's enough motivation to get that latency down that it'll happen and, and then these things are gonna proliferate. Sure, uh, like the idea too that we might all have multiple versions of a streaming game service at one day, at one point, and we're less worried about the tribalism of Sega versus Nintendo, or in this you know in this day and age, Microsoft versus Sony. There's a lot of tribalism around gaming. I don't have to tell anyone that I don't think. <laughs> but uh, the idea that that people have multiple streaming services for video content, say Netflix, Disney Plus, and HBO Max, I have all three of those because there's a bunch of stuff on all three. I feel like I can't live without. Do you see a future where that's the same? Got to have Game Pass. Got to have Sony's thing, and I got to have whatever Nintendo's doing and whatever other players out there because how else am I going to get these exclusive games? Like, as much as we've moved away from less overall exclusivity, especially in the case of Microsoft, maybe Sony hasn't budged as much, but a little bit. They put stuff on PCs now, and I can. there's a couple of their games on Xbox. So maybe even they've let loose a little bit. Nintendo's a weird egg, and they control everything that they have. But... But there is a future, I feel like, where if the infrastructure is there, then we will just, like we do with these streaming movie services, we'll just use them. They'll be there, and we'll all pay money, and we'll feel okay about it. Do you foresee, uh, you know, Max or Trisha, do, you, do either of you foresee a future where you're just not buying a new video game anymore? You're only just paying monthly for your games. It's super dependent on what you play. I think, Max, you brought that up earlier, but, you know, if you just play Starfield or you just play Splatoon 3 all the time, you're probably not going to invest in these various different libraries. If you only play FIFA, save that money, just get EA Play, you're doing great. Um, but if you're someone who's a variety, you know, you like to enjoy a wide variety of games, then you it might be worth it for you to invest in the various services. So I think it completely comes down to what what type of video games you enjoy. Yeah, I think it's been going to be wild when, and this this does this seems like a, a when rather than an if, when there's an option to just subscri- just pay a subscription fee to Call of Duty, mm. like because there's a lot of people who that's the game they buy every year. That's all it is. And mm-hmm. this next year is the first year when there isn't one coming out because they're you know it's become so much of a service. Like it's just patches to Warzone and it's you know uh, kind of gradual updates. And that's really that's the thing is kind of in tandem with subscription services, we're also seeing games as a service. Which is a whole other, a whole other arms race that's happening, where it's you're you're competing for people's attention, you're competing for people's time, and you know, I mean, you you look at a, a whole bunch of games as service just just kind of closed up shop, like uh, I don't know, it was Rumbleverse, Knockout City, EA killed Apex Mobile, what have you, and it's um, you know, it's because you can you can only really play one game at a time, and for games that are you know competitive, it requires you to practice a fair amount. It's not just like oh, I'm gonna. I'm going to I'm going to go play Fortnite and beat it. You don't beat Fortnite. It's just, you know, it keeps it gives you more and more stuff to do and you you know, you try to up your stats or whatever. And it's it's that's that's a whole other conversation to have. But I think like I don't know, I think people are still there are always going to be people who who are, are going to buy games in some capacity, but I think we're going to see like weird maybe weirder subscription models come along where it's if you only want this thing, like I mean EA EA uh, Plus Play whatever it's called is the kind of the beginning of that because you know, like Call of Duty, there's a lot of people who are just there for Madden or FIFA. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a, if they can cut out the, 
the console maker. Like if, if you know, people don't want to shell out 500 bucks for a new box to play one game and instead they can just play one game on their phone or their smart TV through an app that is money going directly to EA as opposed to any middleman or, you know, third party. That seems kind of like a no-brainer there. Do you either, uh, either of you think that mobile services, as currently constituted anyway, Apple's got its its uh, arcade uh, subscription service, which I use, and sadly I don't use it as often as I pay for it, <laughs> but it's there. Um, Google Play Pass uh, as well. These are these are I won't call them up and coming, but they're established services that are mobile focused. And while they don't either of them uh, don't currently offer a streaming style service, they let you download games that are otherwise premium games. Uh, in Apple's case, it's they're only available there. Sometimes they're remakes of older games that perhaps were, you know, cost you money in the past. But you're playing them as long as you're subscribing, you have access access to those games. It feels like that's smart for them to do because they need to have some skin in this game and it is the most played platform for games whether we hardcore gamers like it or not mobile is a threat uh i I, it still feels like though that's real tenuous and these other companies are going to figure out ways to dominate those platforms curious if either of you have any we'll start with trisha any thoughts on on mobile's um role in this moving forward I mean, you really have to be into mobile gaming, I feel like, to go with Google Play Pass or Apple Arcade. Um, Because again, it's that how many games you play. If you play one game all the time, I don't know that you're going to want to invest in a mobile library. However, uh, if you if you're an Android person and all you like to play is Android mobile games, then have at it. Enjoy all those games. I'm not a huge mobile gamer, so I don't foresee a world where I would be paying for a variety of mobile games. But, you know, in, in especially in different parts of the world, Mobile games are where it's at. So, Max, I, I'm going to hand that over to you. I don't know if you play a lot of mobile games. Not not really. That's one thing I've that's never really clicked for me. Um, I mean, I, I, it's less so than ever now that I'm not really commuting or riding planes as much. So it's, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I had Apple Arcade for a second. I love that there are a, a handful of, you know, bespoke games that make use of the actual device you're using, which is, has something special to it. But uh, yeah, I mean, the mobile market is an entirely different beast. I think there is definitely some, there's, it's kind of the, the console PC market and the mobile market are kind of, you know, bleeding together in certain areas. You see this with, uh, I mean, Fortnite is a big one. There was a, a point in time where the thought of playing a, a game like that on your phone, you know, you think like a, your phone is, is, you know, bejeweled or Candy Crush or whatever. Right. And consoles is like, that's the, that's the <laughs> big world you're running around and jumping on motorcycles and shooting people. It's like, this is. You know, now, now it's the fact that mobile is capable of that. It's really not. I don't know what's holding it back from from doing the same stuff at this point. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that the that mobile um, has embraced one aspect sooner than these other services, and that is a family plan of some sort or a way mm-hmm. to get greater value out of it for more people. And Apple does that. They include uh, Apple Arcade in with their uh, music subscription, which also includes the news subscription, I believe. Whatever it is I'm paying for every month. It's a, the bundle, the Apple one. Yeah, bundle. the bundle. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is a bundled service is actually a really nice ad for a service I was going to get anyway, and it's costing me about the same. Um, consoles have been slower to do that. Like, there are three tiers for Sony's uh, Plus now, and there are multiple tiers, depending on where you want to play, for Game Pass. But none of them account for... Uh, any sort of like, hey, do you want to do this with a household of five people? We'll make you this deal, and you can all log in as these, these different names and download stuff separately and have all these saves. Like, I feel like there's an opportunity there. 
and they haven't done it yet. Maybe the pressure isn't on. Uh, I don't. I don't know. But that could be that could be one interesting effect of what mobile is doing. If that side of it bleeds over into the console side, I want to see more of that. Um, Microsoft, mm-hmm. I, I want to know one thing really badly. Microsoft is testing out Game Pass Family Plan. The only place they're doing it is in Ireland and Colombia, which seems like I, I, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but it seems like a very arbitrary territories to try this out in. But I mean, happy for anybody who's there who gets to take advantage of this. That sure. seems having a family plan for gaming seems like really, really important uh, because. You know, you don't want your little brother playing your Starfield file. Like, you don't want... That seems... I, I gave I gave a Game Pass, like, subscription to my my nephews, and there's two of them, plural, and I felt kind of bad about that afterwards. I'm like, <laughs> are they going to be kicking each other's ass because one of them wants... You know, mom said it's my turn on the Xbox or whatever. Right. Like, it's 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 a thing, and uh, that's one where area where Nintendo, like, they're doing their own little thing in the corner. They're like, every month you get maybe some forgotten NES game, or, like, finally you can play Minish Cap on a portable device again. Uh... <laughs> But they're also like, yeah, you can you can share with your with your family because that's always been a family first company, and I think they understand that, which is very cool. Yeah, I agree. I wish they understood more about how consoles and uh, stores worked and things like that. But that is a topic for a different time as well. Um, to kind of uh, round things out here, I thought it might be kind of fun to pick what we would pick today, so that listeners can kind of make a decision. I guess what they what we would pick in various environments. So let's say we're console gamers, and we are, and we want to. We want the best possible bang for our buck. Obviously, it depends. If you've already got one of these consoles, that may make the decision for you. But if you had to vote for the best thing and going right now, Max, we'll start with you. Who has the best console service, subscription mm, service right I'm now? I'm going to say Game Pass. Mm. You think so, too, Tricia? Where are you at with that? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard. It's so platform-specific, you know, what types of games you like to play and where you like to play them. Um, but Game Pass... For Xbox, I think would be the win for me as well. Uh, on PC, I'm tempted to say the same. Although I think GeForce Now is real good. Uh, there's it's a strong it's streaming competitor. Um, I really quite like it, but I also think it's very specific to a certain kind of gamer and is a little less mainstream. But even there, I would probably say Game Pass. Uh, do you guys agree? Yeah, I would say Game Pass Ultimate over Game Pass for PC only mm. because it gives you a little bit more options in case you do want to take your game on the go, like you paused it on your yeah. uh, on your PC and you want to take it on the go or something like that. I, I agree. I think having Ultimate is the way to, to do any of that. Plus, I like both places and I spend a lot of place or time in both places and having all that stuff synced is... If it used to feel like magic, now it feels required and I don't want to ever not have it. <laughs> uh, how about... How about you, Max? Anything on the PC that, that jumps outside of uh, Game Pass that you would recommend to listeners? I'm not I'm not a huge... I don't play a lot on PC, but it's, again, Game Pass seems pretty solid. I think depending on what you're interested in, those are areas where maybe that's where EA Play or Ubisoft Plus are, you know, good options to choose from. Like, oh. we're talking about this... Is EA, EA Play is what? Is it five five bucks a month? Five, five bucks by itself, <laughs> and if you... If Game Pass just includes it, if you get Ultimate, uh, there's also a fin dollar version of game or of um, of EA Play that lets you have early access and day and date releases. Um, so they've they've got some they got a little bit of granularity uh, there as well. But I its best use case I believe is an add on to Game Pass if I if I was to make an argument. Um, casual gamers they run into a little bit of a different problem. Although as this streaming stuff starts to converge, it's less and less of a problem because even if you're casual, no matter what you're playing on, you'd be able to stream from some service. Um, but I think Apple Arcade is a decent value for you in that ecosystem. Uh, nothing wrong with that. They also make it so every one of those games has to support a controller. Uh, all of them have to do cloud saves. 
and all of them have to play on uh, the Mac, the iPad, and the phone. So they've got you know kind of a, a good continuity going there if you're in that ecosystem. I would also make a big thumbs up for just about all of these options where possible on M1 or M2 Macs. The Silicon Macs it, uh, are, re- are running everything really well, including stuff they used to run poorly on Intel through Steam and other services. Um, so I would recommend most of what we've talked about today on those devices, especially in the case of Game Pass Ultimate, streaming to a Mac is a no-brainer. It's really, really easy. But if you're feeling like a casual player, you're really not sure about that. Android has their thing. Apple Arcade's okay. And, um, you know, the Mac, the Mac, you know, still not like a powerhouse game machine uh but it's it's a machine that is much more capable now especially if you're getting something with the new apple apple uh silicon stuff in it i hope that helps somebody out there listening to today's show and having you guys on was fantastic today how about a a big round of applause for our moderator scott johnson as well Uh, i don't know about that yeah yeah, there we go (laughs) well thanks it was an honor i could talk about this stuff all day of course tom already knows that so having a chance to sit and uh, to talk to some like-mindeds about it and and hopefully inform people a little more about how this is all shaping up has been a pleasure so thank you so much for letting us do it tom uh before we go scott where can folks find more of what you do well, I just uh, finished a big, uh, huge three-hour episode of Core last night, and so I'm going to point people toward a video game podcast I do on the weekly called Core. You can find it at frogpants.com slash core, where me and my co-hosts go over all the big news and the little stuff in gaming, including the things we play every week. It's a big, meaty show, and it's a lot of fun, and we make people laugh, apparently. So check it out, and uh, let me know what you think. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. Just search for Core. Trisha Hirschberger, a pleasure as always. Thank you again for sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, where can folks find more of what you do? Thank you for having me, Tom. It's always such a good time. Um, you might see my face if you follow a lot of PC gaming news, PC building news, at some launch events coming up soon, as well as on all the socials at that girl Trish, no I in the girls, so just that GRL Trish. And I try, any day I'm not on set hosting, I really do try to stream on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Trisha Hirschberger. So hit me up somewhere online and stay in touch. Fantastic. Max Scoville, a uh, pleasure to have you back as well, my friend. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, where can folks find more of what you got going on? I'm over on IGN.com. Uh, you know, the various media tendrils of IGN, its apps and channels and whatnot. Uh, I host a weekly PlayStation show called Podcast Beyond, which exists in audio form and in video form, whichever you prefer. Uh, there's considerably less uh, Game Pass worship on that show. <laughs> we try to say nice things about PlayStation Plus, but, uh, you know, it's plenty of good stuff, PlayStation stuff to talk about these days. So check that out if you're interested. Excellent. Thanks again, everybody. And a uh, special thanks to Drew Tauber, one of our, our top DTNS Lifetime supporters. Thank you, Drew, for all your years of support. Folks, uh, we need patrons. Uh, we we can do these special roundtables because we have people who are patrons. So if you're hearing this on the free feed, you've got a couple bucks a month. You'd like to get some extras, maybe things like this earlier uh, sometimes than, than they are elsewhere. By all means, uh, go check out, see what the free stuff is. There's even some merch p- perks in there. You might get a hoodie. You might get a coffee mug. Patreon.com slash DTNS. You can also catch the show live Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC, Find out more about that at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with our special monthly DTNS weekend edition all about photo news. We'll talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more 
at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>